wrote this sentence. You wrote it, and it's fine, and it makes sense as well. Yeah, so but just... it's like garbage to read. <laughs> Friday, September 28th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, Master Student in Civil Engineering and Dutch News Snack Correspondent, and with me today are Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Kaas Stengel Demander, and Gordon Derek, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Stroopwafel Currency Inventor. Is it all of our job titles just food related? Yeah, yeah. related to sweet foods and, well, no, not Kaas No, not Kaas and snacky, what, snacky foods. And what uh, what Paul is going to talk about is also not sweet in no. any definition any, of the word sweet. Or food. Yeah, that's yeah. also true. <laughs> uh, Gordon, what did you do with the stove waffles? Yeah. Uh, what didn't I do with the stove waffles? No, I, I got a big um, bag full of stove waffles uh, from, from you uh, uh, wonderful people. Um, I got lunch on Monday Did you night. get every single stroop waffle flavor? I got every flavor of stroop waffle, and I understand that... Um, Did some people have to go to multiple uh, some people Albert Heinz? went to, to more every... than one mall Albert Heinz to stock up on different types of stroop waffle. It's very important. Which was, uh, yeah, quite actually unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. Your, your dedication to ruining my my taste for stroop waffles. So and, and general yeah. happiness. I have yeah. a further stroop waffle flavor update. Uh, a Dutch friend of mine came over last night, and she had a mango chili strope waffle, and she really liked it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, yeah the banana... You, you also fed the uh, mango chili strope waffle to a Canadian person. Yes, and he also liked them. Yeah, oh. I'm going through the flavors one by one. In fact, I might tweet about them. I might do like a strope waffle uh, odyssey or something. You should do <laughs> a strope, strope waffle, waffle odyssey. Yeah. yeah, I agree with her. Yeah. So, but I had the orange one so far, and that was okay. Yeah. Um, and then the uh, so is the sea salt and caramel one. Yeah, those yeah. are good. No, oh, really? I didn't go for that. No. Oh, I think no, they're really. I, like I think that. those are the best. Yeah. I also quite like the banana. The banana is really. I'm not going to enjoy the banana. Cause I don't but like we bananas. don't. We don't have all of the flavors. We only bought two for ourselves. Yeah. So. I want to try the speculas ones. Those also looked good. They, they might be okay. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. And Molly, you wanted castangles. Well, the Castangle thing has become a running joke because of the whole, uh, what is the name of this stupid late night talk show? Fun House. Fun House, yeah, late yeah. night. And uh, so I demanded that Gordon have Castangles at his book launch. <laughs> but I thought it was compulsory to have Castangles, anyway. I think it's compulsory. I, I also had bits of uh, little blocks of cheese and oat cakes. Yeah. yeah. The oat cakes things are disgusting. You I didn't go for oat cakes. You have to have something with them. You I had you something with them. After you yelled at me the first time, I had some cheese yeah, with it. And then it just tasted like cheese with like pressed oatmeal. And it was <laughs> also not good. So, oh, Paul, why are you the snack correspondent? Well, that has everything to do with this week's Ophef uh, of the Week. Uh, we had a number of food-related ophefs this week, because at the beginning of the week, a photo of uh, a frikandel carpaccio. Can I ask a question about this? Sure. Maybe this is me being a dumb American, but I thought carpaccio implied that the meat was raw and not uh, cooked. This is a different kind of carpaccio. Clearly. <laughs> it's Dutch carpaccio. It's like no other carpaccio on earth. I think the Italian version is like smoked meat or something. Is if it? I always thought it was like... Raw meat, anyway. Okay, okay but it's let's possible. continue about the uh, frikandel carpaccio. Because it was, this photo was widely shared on the internet. And uh, Molly, you know what a frikandel is? I do. It's like a deep fried sort of hot dog thingamajigger. Yeah, so with, uh, with minced uh, meat uh, and, and it's spiced. And there are all yeah. sorts of urban legends about what it actually contains. Yeah, right. It's like Dutch haggis, basically. Or yeah. the Dutch version of Scrapple. 
for our, our American <laughs> listeners. Yeah, exactly. So um, uh, people were quite appalled by uh, seeing uh, uh, the snack bar in Veenendaal introducing the uh, the carpaccio. Uh, it was served with a uh, mayonnaise curry sauce and uh, a bunch of salad on top of it. And I have a photo of it here. How does it look? Awful. Terrible. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. But that wasn't the only uh, Frikandel-related uh, ophef, because later that uh, this week, uh, we saw a photo of Frikandel soup appearing on the internet. Which is also very unattractive. Which we really don't need. Yes, and it was garnished with uh, Frikandel chips. And I also have a photo of it here. And uh, how does this look? Again, appalling. Yeah. <laughs> really, it does. Yeah. And it brings to mind the uh, the uh, uh, culinary Hindenburg called Frikandelfly. What was that? It was, you know, a fly that's like a yeah. cake. Yeah. It's, it's a special cake from Limburg, but it, instead of fill, yeah, filling with, with some fruit or something, it was filled with Frikandel. Mm, that sounds terrible. That sounds really so awful. And I also have a photo of it here. Uh, that looks slightly less disgusting, but mostly because you can't really tell it's made with freaking yeah. No, because it's covered with the... Uh, Tart topping, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Um, so, question. Would you rather eat all of the different flavors of strope waffles or one of these freaking Dell monstrosities? I'm going to go for the strope waffles, definitely. I think I, was, I would go for the strope waffles. I think waffles. I'm also with case, you on the strope waffles. Yes. No, freaking Dell soup is a definite uh, no It's a hard one. Yeah, it looks like an abomination. Yes. This week we talk about a foil terrorist plot, what Rutte had to say at the United Nations General Assembly, and baby news from Tenerife. Dutch police said they believe they have prevented a major terrorist attack in the Netherlands with the arrest of seven men from Arnhem and Weert on Thursday. The men, ranging from 21 to 34 years old, were previously convicted for attempting to join the Islamic State in Syria. The public prosecutor started an investigation after they received a tip-off from the IFAD security service that a 34-year-old Iraqi national was planning an attack on a major event in the Netherlands. The plan may have involved suicide jackets, Kalashnikovs and car bombs, as the suspects were looking for these on the internet. An investigation into the exact target of the attack is still ongoing. The public prosecutor is convinced a terrorist attack has been averted with the arrests, the seven men are currently held in isolation and can only have contact with their lawyers and must appear in court on Friday. So what, so what do we know and what don't we know? Because they, they say it was aimed at a major event, but they don't actually have a location or a date uh, for this. Yeah, the minister, Minister Grapperhaus of, uh, of Justice, uh, said that he wasn't able to say which event uh, they were planning on, mm. on attacking maybe because they didn't know yet or they don't want us to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, it's still unclear which, uh, which event they were targeting. Yeah, but they, they moved in specifically uh, this week because there were, there were signs that they, they, they'd been either looking for or they, they actually bought some fertilizer and, they, and, and that was uh, suggests that they were moving from the planning stage to the actual execution stage. Yes, and yeah. uh, they also already had hired a fan from France uh, yeah. that was already in the Netherlands. So yeah, these could, could have been indications that, uh, that, that the seven men were planning on, on doing something uh, in the near future. Yeah, but there is, uh, obviously, there's, you know, the minister has come out and said that we've followed terrorist plots and obviously there's been a lot of coverage in the papers. But, uh, there's been a few, inc- there were a few instances like this in the UK as well in, in recent years, I remember, where there was a lot of fanfare about people being arrested and plots being foiled. And then when it came to court, actually the case kind of fell apart because there wasn't any concrete evidence that they were planning anything specific. So I think it's important to still wait to see what comes out in the courtroom here and uh, exactly what, uh, you know, what's revealed about uh, uh, what these suspects were, were actually planning to do. Well, I might be American. I do strongly support more gun control in the U.S. 
So you would think I'd be pro-gun control in the Netherlands, but you would be wrong. The Volkskrant revealed details this week of draft legislation covering the regulations for getting or renewing a gun license in this country. Among other things, the government would like to collect information on race, religion, and political affiliations. There are diverse risk factors attached to guns, said Justice Minister Ferd Hoppehaus in a briefing to MPs. This is why the police need information from different sources to determine if it is safe to let someone own a gun. So there's been much opposition to these changes? There has been so much opposition <laughs> to these changes. Everyone from uh, coalition party members, the CDA and the Desa Sestag, uh, the Dutch Privacy Watchdog Group, and even the gun owners lobby, KNSA, uh, opposed the plans. So you know it's bad when the gun owners lobby opposes the plans, I think. Yeah, yeah and the question is, of course, will terrorists who actually want to do something buy a gun with a license? And will they declare their political affiliations while they do it? So, 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 yeah. I think it's, so, I, I suspect... So, so yes, I'm an ISIS voter. Can yeah. I still have a gun? It's not going to, yeah. I don't so really see the point of it. I think that it's like one of these things, like when you fill out these ridiculous immigration surveys to go into the US, where they ask you, like, have you ever committed yeah. genocide, right? Where, like, no one who's actually committed genocide is going to yeah. say yes. But if they can later prove that you did commit some genocide, then it is a crime to have lied on this form. And then there's like one more thing that they can use to like throw you out of the country. So I wonder if like that's the reason for this. That yeah. like if they find out later that you applied, that you lied on the form, that if that like makes it easier to get rid of a gun. It's bizarre that we had last week, we had Klaus Dijkhoff saying that people in uh, ethnically mixed areas should get higher sentences you know, for committing crimes, and now we've got to that you should declare what your race is when you're buying a gun. I don't understand why the government is obsessed with just getting, squeezing the race issue into every single area of public policy at the moment. I have no idea. But uh, how popular are guns in this country, actually? Uh, the police apparently issued 70,000 gun licenses, around 70,000 gun licenses last year, and it involved some 200,000 weapons. And, and does these licenses need to be revoked every year? or? I'm not sure if they need to be renewed every year, but they need to be renewed in like a timely fashion. So this doesn't mean that there are 70,000 new gun licenses coming? No, uh, some here. of them are new yeah. and some of them are renewals uh, of previous okay. licenses, yeah. Paid parental leave is being increased from two days to five from next year. The move is mainly aimed at fathers, although women in same-sex relationships will also be eligible when their partner has a baby. At the moment, partners are only entitled to two days paid leave and three days unpaid leave when a child is born. The new rules take effect from January the 1st, and from July 2020, parents will be entitled to up to five weeks additional leave. That's with full pay, the five weeks? Uh, not the five weeks, no, that will be paid at 70% of your salary. So just you get a nice pay cut just at the, right at the moment when your living costs go spiralling up. And the additional leave will also have to be taken in the first six months of the child's life. As well. Wait, so you'll get five weeks in total that both the mother and you, the father could use on top of maternity leave? No, 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 you, the partner will get five, five weeks. Five weeks, okay. Yeah, up to five weeks off. We'll be taking at 70% of salary, but... but um, I, I think the company will have some kind of right to object, obviously, if, if you're in an essential job that you can't be missed for. Well. Just don't get kids. That's, a, that's a, I mean, that's yeah, absolutely yeah, life advice. advice. But, but how does the Netherlands compare to other countries uh, if it comes to paternity leave? Uh, pretty badly. At the moment, we're one of the worst countries in Europe for parental leave. Only Italy, Malta and Greece give partners a minimum two days off when their babies are born. That's a good group to uh, be with. Yes, yeah, so it's a great cluster of uh, yeah. countries, yeah. Um, in Sweden, for example, both parents get 240 days off, which they can share, uh, divide up between themselves any way they like in, during the first year of their child's life. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, um, and in Germany, partners can take up to 14 months off, although oh. it is at two-thirds of their salary. Um, and in Spain, fathers can take up to four weeks off at full pay as well. And the survey says that 60% of fathers want to be more involved in their children's upbringing, so there is demand for this. 
So there was a very interesting uh, Weeds episode, which is the one of the Vox Media podcasts that was talking about parental leave. Um, interesting fact, the Czech Republic has four years of paid leave for <laughs> new mothers, which seems completely insane to mm. me. Um, but one of the other things that they were talking about is how um, it still becomes like a thing that women take a lot of times in a lot of the Scandinavian countries, and that there's like a lot of pressure to take all of the leave, even if you don't like really, really want to. Um, so there's like some evidence in like Finland that parents would actually like to return to work sooner, but feel sort of social pressure to like take all of their right. leave. So it's sort of an interesting discussion if you're into thinking about parental leave. Yeah, I'm, I'm really surprised by the differences in Europe. I mean, five days or two days paid leave in two the Netherlands. Two days seems absurdly yeah, short. Yeah, but, but on the other hand, 240 days or so yeah. what was it, 14 months seems seems a bit, yeah. seems a lot. Uh, seems a lot, yeah. yeah. So yeah. perhaps we should find a middle ground. Yeah, definitely. And make it a European thing. Yeah, or like do, you know, 50-50 splits between both parents, right? Then I feel yeah. like maybe that puts the pressure on the both parents to have to stay home and yeah. have equal participation. Well, it's not as that, but I think uh, if, you, if you get the time that you can share between yourselves, and it means you can actually apply it to your situation. The, the current situation where maternity leave is, uh, or most of the leave is maternity leave, yeah. kind of really means the mother has to kind of, you know, t take the time off. It, it discourages women from being the main wage earner in a family. Yeah. Whereas if you can divide it up between yourselves, it means if the woman is earning more, then the father can spend more time at home. What do you think about just making all parental leave mandated for three or four months? So that both mothers and fathers or both partners in same-sex couples, everyone is obliged by law to just like take all this time off. Yeah, I think definitely there's lots to be said for that. And just make it as flexible as possible. Yeah. Because you don't have one standard model family anymore right. where the dad works and the mum stays at home with the kids. Yeah. You have all kinds of situations where that's flipped or that the, the, the you share the childcare a bit. And I think that, yeah, and there's still a lot of social pressure, I think, on women, certainly my experience of being a parent in the playground is that the mothers are still expected to turn up and pick up the children after right. school. And if you as a mother are only seen like three days a week or, or two days a week, then you're kind of not really pulling your weight in the domestic situation. Yeah. So I think having more leave for, for the partner gives you more, makes it more acceptable to share the duties. Right. Still a lot of room for debate here. Mark Rutte called in his speech at the United Nations General Assembly on Wednesday for more international cooperation in the hunt for the perpetrators of the MH17 plane disaster. On July 17, 2014, flight MH17, originating from Amsterdam, was shut down over eastern Ukraine, killing all 298 people on board, including 196 Dutch. He thanked the UN for the support of UN Resolution 2166, in which all UN members promised full cooperation in the criminal investigation of the downing of the MH17 flight. The disaster remains an open wound for my country and for all countries that had citizens on board, the Prime Minister said. He also referred to the Joint Investigation Team's report, which was published in May, and concluded the plane was shot down by a book missile from the 53rd Anti-Aircraft Brigade of the Russian Armed Forces. Did Rita mention Russian at all in his uh, talk? Well, not directly, but he obviously referred to the Russian Federation when he said that uh, he was concerned about the way some countries were putting their own interests first and are no longer prepared to uh, reach compromises with other nations. That was uh, a bit diplomatically put, mm. I guess. Uh, but there was no question about uh, who what country he was yeah. referring to. Yeah, everybody knew. Everybody yeah. knew. Yeah, he was kind of subtweeting that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Netherlands and other countries, uh, such as Australia, have always suspected Russian involvement in the downing of the airplane. And uh, since the final report of the uh, joint investigation team, they are officially holding Russia accountable. But Russia have always denied any involvement. 
They've always accused Ukraine and the Ukrainian army in a number of scenarios since 2014. And uh, even last week, Russia held a press conference in which they said the book missile, which was used uh, in the downing, was in fact produced in Russia, but was in Ukrainian hands since 1987, even though um, the documents they shown uh, showed that uh, the book missile was produced two months later than it was handed over to Ukraine. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe this is kind of a harsh question, but do you think we're ever going to like get a resolution on this? Or is this just like a situation that's just too muddy and that there's never going to be like a criminal complaint brought against the perpetrators? No, especially because Russia is, of course, a permanent member of the, uh, yeah. of the Security Council. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's no way of, of, of the UN going to do something uh, about this. And, and Russia also doesn't extradite its own citizens. That's in Russian law. So I suspect we get to the point where they will compile a dossier and they will possibly even bring criminal charges and it'll just get stuck there. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, apparent, uh, mm -hmm. and, and it's also because of the geopolitical situation mm -hmm. in, in Ukraine that makes it even messier. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but what, what we can only hope that will happen is that within a couple of decades when Putin is gone and there is a new regime change in Russia, then they might finally accept their responsibility. But yeah, that, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Unfortunately, for for everyone who uh, no, the the only instrument I think the um, international community really has here is the sanctions. If, if the sanctions really start biting, then uh, maybe Russia will be forced into a change of heart. Yes, but then the question is: Is this incident for the international community important enough to yes. impose these sanctions? Singer Rihanna is having an impact on Dutch education policy this week, which is not a sentence I ever thought I would write. <laughs> Dutch aid minister Sigrid Kaag has told the United Nations in a meeting in New York that the Netherlands is to donate 20 million euros a year until 2023 to the Global Partnership for Education. Rihanna had previously tweeted at Kaag and Prime Minister Mark Rutte asking them to pledge money towards the Global Partnership for Education, an organization which aims to improve education in countries around the world. We were very sad when we found out that she tweeted a number of, uh, of political leaders around yeah, the world. It wasn't we just thought you we guys. were no. special. Yeah, you thought you were special, You're but not no. special. No. So, uh, Rihanna was uh, feeling very charitable uh, that one day on Twitter? Uh, not just that she's feeling charitable, she is the global ambassador for the Global Partnership for Education, and she was replying to comments Kach had made back in February about wanting the Netherlands to support the foundation's mission. Mm. Did Mark Rutte reply to any of the people who uh, tweeted at him asking if he could pay their gas bill while he was at it? I don't think so. Mm. Um, <laughs> but it may be ahead of you know future elections he may uh, go yeah. back in and he can and promise us 1,000 euros again yeah. yeah in sports news PSV Eindhoven have gone five points clear at the top of the Eredivisie after comfortably winning the weekend's top of the table clash with Ajax by three goals to nil the champions have won all their first six games scoring 24 goals in the process and conceding just three PSV coach Mark von Bommel praised his team's overall performance and a strong defensive display in the second half as they shut Ajax out, while Klaas-Jan Huntelaar admitted that the Amsterdamers had been outfought and outplayed. Both sides are in Champions League action next week. Ajax face a tough test in Germany against Bayern Munich on Tuesday, while PSV are at home to Inter Milan. Did the uh, men's volleyball team maintain their, uh, their good form? this week? Uh, no, they came down to earth in the second round, having uh, caused a couple of upsets in round one. They beat Brazil and they knocked out France as well. Um, in the second round, they they managed to win against Finland, uh, but they lost to Russia and Italy, and that meant the end of the competition for them. Uh, the finals on Sunday in Turin, if anyone's interested. 
And there was also some uh, cycling news, wasn't there? Uh, yes, Tom Dumoulin, uh, who's been Mr. Second Place this season, having finished runner-up in the Giro d'Italia and the Tour de France, he was defending his world time trial title in Innsbruck in Austria on Wednesday, but he had no answer to Australia's Rowan Dennis, who won by 1 minute and 21 seconds, and Dumoulin had to settle for silver. Uh, he just held on by half a second ahead of Victor Campenaerts of Belgium. Wow, so he was uh, uh, in second place, but the difference was 1 minute and 21 seconds. Yeah. Wow. And this one wasn't from Russia? No, he was Australian. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, he may, he may have had some supplies from Russia. You never know. So no Dick Lawyer <laughs> we news never this know. week, guys? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Was it Dick Lawyer news? I didn't catch any Dick Lawyer news. No, it's very actually. disappointing. Yeah, no. Next time we're just going to have to invent some Dick Lawyer news. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of Dick, Dick Lawyer, we had a comment by a listener who asked us why on earth we are so obsessed with Dick Lawyer. Can because some... his name is Dick Lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Dick I think that's God. it, yeah. But do we do we have a reason for that's the only reason? No, it's just become a running joke. It's just become a kind of running thing, yeah. Morgan the Orca has given birth to a baby calf in an amusement park in Tenerife. Morgan was rescued from the Wallen Sea in 2010 after being found in a severely weakened state. Initially, she was kept in the Dolphinarium in Harderwijk, but was moved to Tenerife despite protest from animal rights activists. Morgan and her baby are both in good health, according to staff at the Loro Park at the Canary Island. The birth is uh, controversial because the terms of the transfer specifically stated she would be used for research purposes only and would not be allowed to breed. However, Morgan was included in a team of performing animals and, according to the Free Morgan Foundation, the park has been trying to make her pregnant for years. This is just such a bullshit story. It is. I don't understand why they don't just, like, take her back. Like, they clearly violated the terms of this arrangement. Yeah, I think she was moved uh, initially from Harderwijk to Tenerife because Harderwijk didn't have room enough for yeah. her. Yeah. There has to be somewhere else that she can go. They, they couldn't find any place. The, yeah. the only place they could find was Tenerife. Yeah. But Tenerife was in uh, that, that amusement park there had a, had a very bad reputation, reputation. For, yeah. for animal rights. And uh, that was uh, part of the OPEF that emerged back then. People said, why are we moving this poor animal to this place with this bad reputation? Yeah, and actually specified that she was uh, meant to be uh, kept for research purposes and not for entertainment. And yeah, that was clearly, the solution, yeah, but they violated this. They clearly. violated, yeah. I think, and this is not the first time, because they've also had her in a performing uh, animals uh, group, haven't they? And there's yeah. a suggestion that some of the other dolphins have been uh, attacking, uh, attacking, her. attacking her. Yeah. yeah. So not a happy time. No. No. So kind I think of if you story. go to the Laurel Park in Canary Island, you're also a terrible person. Don't support them. Like, don't go there and pay mm. money to be there. We'll be discussing the city of Groningen becoming smoke-free after these words from our sponsors. GMW Lawyers is an innovative law firm located in The Hague with clients based both in the Netherlands and abroad. They are known for their dedicated, committed and no-nonsense approach and will work to achieve the best result for you. GMW specialises in family, employment, corporate, liability and property law. They also support the Legal Expat Desk, a legal resource for internationals. You can find them online at gmw.nl and the Legal Expat Desk at legalexpatdesk.nl. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to get in touch. You won't be charged for initial legal advice. You can reach them by email at info at gmw.nl. Groningen has become the first place in the Netherlands to introduce an overall ban on smoking outdoors. Public buildings, including hospitals, libraries, theatres and children's nurseries, will be able to forbid people from smoking outside their premises, although the council says the measure will not be actively enforced because there aren't enough inspectors. But anyone who smokes in a forbidden area will be liable to a fine. So is this another step towards cleaner public spaces or an erosion of people's right to do something that is still, after all, illegal? 
So how exactly will this work? Uh, well, what the Khmer has done is it's uh, changed the local statutory regulations, the APFE, to create a non-smoking zone in the city, um, which covers all public spaces, and private property owners can also apply to be included in the smoke-free zone, although the council will have the final say. And the council says around 30 organisations have already indicated they want to take part. And the ban doesn't just cover cigarette smoke, but also things like emissions from cars and scooters and even barbecue fumes. Oh, so if you're outside a nursery that has a ban you can't start a car or have a barbecue <laughs> i think probably it'd be things like you, you couldn't have your car just standing idling, idling in yeah. the street yeah i think you're still allowed to drive down the road that would be a bit uh, a and bit what draconian. about what about the barbecue situation? yeah the barbecue thing is well presumably people don't have barbecues in the street as a rule but i'm taking it that if you have a barbecue in your garden there's a whole lot of smoke blowing out across the street then you are potentially in violation of the ban. Interesting. So yeah. how is this going to be enforced? Well, it's the thing. There's, um, the council said they're not going to ha- employ extra wardens to go around checking people, checking if people are smoking, issuing tickets. I would totally sign up for that job. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I think yeah, Kronia, you would like that. If you're hiring, I want to just go around I think you need to move to Cronia, not just for that reason, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and volunteer to be a smoking ban warden. Um, you you, you want to yell at illegally barbecuing people. Yes, I totally <laughs> want to yell at yeah, official barbecue warden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. the council says there aren't any resources for that. They're kind of more relying on kind of people being self-policing and appealing for people's good nature. That If people see there's no one see that there is a smoking ban, they see signs and they see people smoking, then they'll, so they'll tell them to stop in the same way that if you're in the steel coupe in the train and you start talking, people will come over and shush you. That will definitely work because the Dutch love to self-police. That's what I thought That's as well. Just, I thought that is tailor-made is for, for, for this country. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how exactly does this... Uh, how do how do they indicate that that some area is uh, smoking or non-smoking? Do they have special tiles around the premises of a public building or something? I'm just gonna come by and like beat them with a baton. <laughs> okay, but how do they know that they're going to be beaten? It doesn't by you? matter. <laughs> yeah, well, I take it they will put they will put notices up, and uh, you know, in the same way that uh, you have no drinking notices, you know, out in the streets, you have you know, sort of uh, posters up on uh, lampposts saying you know no public drinking. They'll do the same thing for smoking. And I, I also I, I also wonder because you said that uh, the the city council has the final say in to say which organization can join and which can't yeah. uh, why are they doing it like this why can't why don't you just say everyone who wants to join can sign up again i think there's a thing that you know, it's just a question of the, the, the council will get will have the power to approve applications or not approve them i can't think of a situation which they wouldn't approve it but uh, I maybe think they want to legal maybe they want to avoid the yeah. situation that when you walk down a street that the first 10 meters you can't smoke and then 10 meters yeah. you can and then the next 20 meters exactly. you can't again and i suppose there might be potentially people who own shops and um, you know don't want to have uh, a no smoking zone right outside the door or maybe they've got lots of employees who smoke or whatever so and it is you know it's not illegal to smoke so you know that they probably have to make sure that uh, they respect the freedoms of people who who don't want to, don't want to participate uh, and is Groningen the, the first city in the Netherlands that's doing something yes, like this? Yes, it's the first place in the Netherlands where this kind of uh, wider public ban on smoking um, has, uh, has been implemented. So it's the first time that it's on such a scale? Yeah, on this kind of scale. Yeah, what, we've oh. had, what, we, have, what we do have is the, um, uh, the ban on smoking indoors and smoking in restaurants and cafes, uh, which has um, been uh, enforced now for about 10 years. And it has drastically reduced the amount of you know, smoking on, um, in uh, catering facilities. Yeah, I remember that I was working in a, um, in a restaurant uh, when I was 15 and that area had still smoking areas. I yeah. can, you, you can't imagine that uh, you have something like that in the Netherlands now. It's been a complete culture change, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. I think that's what this is mainly aimed at, is as much as anything, to change in the culture and the fact that there is, I think, um, uh, Matthias Geisbetsen, who's the alderman in Groningen, who's responsible for public health, says that the main thing is to set the standard. And once the standard is in place, people start respecting it and living by it.
right. Yeah, and if you don't see anyone smoking on the streets and you're not that much encouraged to yeah. uh, start smoking yourself. Yeah, or if you are smoking, you look kind of like weird. Yeah, right? You stand yeah. out. Yeah. So is anybody against this idea? Well, like, two parties on the council opposed it. Uh, one was the Fefe Day. Shocker. Uh, they said that they argued that it's ineffective because there's no proper enforcement. So yeah, that, that's <laughs> that's just bullshit because, uh, yeah, we were just talking about the, the ban on WhatsApping on a bike uh, mm -hmm. uh, when we're not when we are not recording and um, the, the main criticism of that is that it's not enforceable but uh, I mean we don't have a policeman standing on every corner of the street uh, looking out if someone is not running through a red light or something uh, that's not enforced as well and still people stop for a uh, for a red light yeah exactly or you know I mean domestic violence is illegal but you don't have to have a policeman in every living room checking that uh, you know partners aren't beating each other up no know? we should though yeah, yeah. I, I am in favor of a policeman in every house you want a policeman in your living room do you sure go yeah. for it you have Truby. If he can find a spot to stand in my <laughs> construction zone in the living room, uh, he or she is more than welcome. Very few laws are actually enforced by the police constantly monitoring. It's usually by people making complaints. And, yeah. and there's no reason why that can't work here as well. Or that the fear of getting caught is enough to keep yeah. you from like running a red light, right? That like you know you're not going to get caught every time, but like yeah. when you do get caught, it's going to be a big enough fine that it makes it worth not doing yeah. it at yeah, all. And the fines are enormous, I yeah. have to say. Yeah. Yeah. You would know that as a taxi driver. No, no, I never had a fine for a run through a red light. I have been in a car with you when you ran a red light, Paul. Yeah, but that wasn't my fault. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it was a very stupid car. Um, so you said the Fefe Day was against uh, the plan? Uh, yeah, the Fefe Day alderman, uh, Joost van Kolen, he uh, says he supports the idea of a smoke-free generation, but he's n he seems to be against any move that actually um, that stops people smoking. The Fefe Day were also last year against a plan to ban smoking on the steps of the town hall in Groningen, arguing again you, c you can't ex expect the police to be going through every, um, uh, every meeting room in the council checking whether or not people are smoking. I mean, I respect <laughs> the fact that the Fefe Day is like the anti-regulation party, but yeah. like you're just taking this to a comically absurd level. <laughs> <laughs> terrible level. So who else is against it? Uh, the the SP also um, against oh. it. Oh, really? On. Yeah, it was a, the, the, the one, one thing the SP and the BVD can agree upon is we shouldn't ban smoking. Th this seems like a weird. This is weird. Yeah. Well, their argument is it will uh, it will polarize um, the division <laughs> oh, between smokers God. and non-smokers. <laughs> so you'll well, have. We should stop yeah. banning murder too because it polarizes <laughs> the division between murderers and not murderers. Perhaps we should ban political parties as well because <laughs> yeah. that's polarizing. Indeed. The, uh, yeah. 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 Ban democracy. Just have one. Uh, Communist yeah, just ban voting because it yeah. polarizes people who vote for one Can side. Can I be the dictator the if we ban voting? Because no. then I'm in favor of this. <laughs> Only then? <laughs> Only then. Um, yeah, so Socialist Councillor Dan Brandenbach uh, also pointed out there's been no smoking signs outside the UMC, which is the um, city main hospital in Gronia uh, for years, and everyone just ignores them. So you oh, see, do they? Yeah. Mm. Maybe yeah, but maybe if there's an actual fine that you're going to get, people are going to stop ignoring them. Yeah, well, this is the thing, isn't it? Although the council's not actively enforcing this ban, the, the point is it, it now can. Now yeah. that there is a ban in place, they can decide, you know, if, if the self-policing thing doesn't work, then they can have like a, a one-week crackdown yeah. where they go around issuing tickets. Okay, but if a non-smoking ban or non-smoking area doesn't work around a hospital, yeah. how will it ever work around... The city center. Yeah, because now, but now I would, I, so I would argue that it's like not compulsory now, right? It's just like the hospital that's saying don't smoke yeah. here. And like, you and know, people everyone. Ignore that? And yeah, everyone's yeah. yeah, but because the hospital can't, you know, can't There's find no people. There's no real enforcement or, yeah. over this. And I mean, yeah. they, it's not like the hospital employs a bunch of big, burly security guards to sort of, you know, implement their rules and regulations for the most part. Or so. they should just say, if you don't, if you start smoking here, we won't treat you. Yeah, that's, that could be an option. Seems like a, yeah. Uh, 
Um, that song. might conflict with but other if, kind of rights. But if the cops <laughs> yeah. pull up in front of the <laughs> hospital <laughs> and there's five people outside smoking and they just walk up and issue them all like 200 euro tickets, I bet you will, uh, people are going to stop smoking outside yeah. the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one smoker told NSA that uh, and smoking ban would mean whole areas of the city would be off limits. It doesn't seem to have occurred to him he could just not, walk, smoke. not smoke for them whenever he's in those places and yeah. do it when he. I mean, whole back areas home. of the city yeah. are off limits to me because I don't like the smell of smoke. So, like, I'm, you yeah. know, I'm fine with this going the other direction. Exactly. So, what do you guys think? Do you think they should ban smoking in public places? I'm not in favor of uh, of the government regulating everything in life, but uh, because my, you're a baby dayer. Yeah, and, and my and my hate, but my hate for smoke is is uh, large enough to to encourage this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I no. just I just hate everything that has to do with smoking. Yeah. It smells terribly. It's it's very unhealthy. It is designed to make you addicted to it. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's it, it's just so threatening for your health. Yeah, and it doesn't just damage your health; it damages other people's yeah, health. And yeah, and I think that's the that's the point. That's that's the main point. So yeah. I'm not against people smoking. I think people fine for people to. You know, put poison in their bodies if they want to. We all do that with various things like alcohol or you know, or, or, or other. Yeah, but or or, or taste good. Or sinusopel flavor. Or sinusopel flavor strobe waffles, exactly. Or frikandel soup. Yeah, so I think I think everyone should have the freedom to eat uh, flavored strobe waffles if they want, uh, or or smoke or drink, but not if it's to the detriment of other people's health who haven't chosen to to do those things. And also, if you have this aim of having a smoke-free generation, it's not just going to happen by magic. You've actually got to you know do do some work to to make it happen and to discourage or deter people yeah, from, from, from starting to smoke. And at least ban it from public buildings yeah. is a great start for this, I guess. I would just ban it, period. This, I don't think the law goes Yeah, but at enough. least do that. Not only should we ban it, you should shoot anyone on site that's caught smoking a cigarette. Uh, going back to the uh, That's to the my gun political that. affiliation. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that, like, you know, you should be able to walk through the public streets without inhaling a disgusting and dangerous and carcinogenic you know, odor, mm -hmm. and that... Does this also count for cars? I mean, I, I, to some degree, yeah. I, I would be more in favor of the, what they've done in Arnhem, where they have, like, you know, regulated the amount of cars that can be in the city, and, like, there's a lot of rules about, like, you can't have older cars and stuff like that because of the, the emissions that they mm. pollute. I mean, I think at least in the city center. I mean, I don't know that I want banned smoking... Well, I mean, I'm a bad person, so I would probably just say ban smoking everywhere. That's fine. But, yes, but for a start, I think in a first start, right, that like, you know, in densely populated spaces where there's big crowds of people like the city centers of cities, for example, um, that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm also in favor of like getting rid of cars, you know, from those places or at least putting in regulations to only have low emissions cars or electric mm. cars or, you know, those sorts of things. I don't think that it's that much of a hassle for people who are existing in those spaces to not drive your like stinky old disgusting non-muffler having 1982 Honda Civic yeah. on the Toyota Camry what was the car uh, of, of, that you uh, ran you the know, red light in uh, it was a Toyota <laughs> Corolla I'm Toyota not sure Corolla. I'm not sure yeah and smoking um, a cigarette. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, we we talked about this before the um, uh, the civil lawsuit against the uh, tobacco industry yeah. by uh, yeah. Benedict Fick, a lawyer yeah. who, uh, who who gathered some uh, smokers uh, uh, around her to sue the tobacco industry. Um, and there was a development uh, with that uh, last week. Um, uh, apparently, one of the judges that was uh, involved in this case said in a private meeting that he he supported the tobacco industry and that he um, he called the the people who filed this lawsuit um, whining uh, people basically mm. and uh, he was forced to uh, to step down from this case As so, he should. Yeah. But, this, but this lawsuit is also uh, part of the 
you know, ongoing yeah. battle and the more and more the, the, the emerging fight and the ever-growing mm-hmm. fight against uh, smoking and towards this uh, smoking-free uh, generation. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there was also a, a civil lawsuit against car emissions, and yeah, that, that also touches upon this uh, is a private person allowed mm. to spoil the air for other people around yeah. you and uh, have bad consequences for the health of other people? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I think just to, you know, the government setting targets on things like car emissions is is often a good first step because that then sort of encourages or forces local authorities to take action and uh, introduce regulations to to make sure that, that these that these targets are reached. Um, I think just anything that makes it more difficult for smokers to smoke is as we've seen, just going to reduce the rate of smoking. That if it's very, very easy for people to light up, they will just do it in bars and in public places and in wherever else. And even if you say, okay, you can't smoke within, you know, three meters of the front door of an establishment, but you have to go across the street, you know, when it's like pouring down rain, people will maybe choose to have one less cigarette or no cigarettes. And that, you know, all of those little steps I think are good. Yeah, that definitely was, I think, was the experience when the smoking ban was introduced in Scotland. Because I think it came in in the autumn, and yeah, everyone suddenly had to go outside to smoke. And given mm-hmm. that in November in Scotland, standing outside is not something you want to do for a long yeah. period of time. I thought standing outside <laughs> in Scotland in July was also not something. It's you not want to either. Do. Yeah, just at any being time in of year, Scotland frankly. is probably not something you want to do, considering their national dish is <laughs> dried out oatmeal cakes <laughs> in a sheep's stomach. In a sheep's stomach. <laughs> Yeah, but especially because in in autumn you especially don't want to stand outside, and that that really helped apparently for uh, people to to stop smoking. It definitely focused people's minds, I think. Yeah, <coughs> and, uh, it definitely focused people's minds, I think, and people have uh, yeah. There was a lot less smoking and coughing and spluttering. Um, so Thanks. <laughs> I don't. I have never. I have never smoked a cigarette in my entire no, life. No, no, me neither. Me neither. Really? Yeah. This, Are we is, a podcast of people who've never had a single cigarette? Is this cigarette? a non-smoke uh, podcast? So I mean, I knew we weren't smoke-free smokers, podcasts. but this yeah. is entire like a hundred percent. You've never smoked no, a cigarette. Never in my life, no. Wow. Never. Maybe we should bring in a smoker to discuss this. I feel like maybe we're not the most. Uh, maybe we're slightly, we're slight, slightly uh, biased. Bias, yeah. <laughs> well, you just, a, you just called for smokers to be assassinated yeah. on the yeah. street. We so may yeah. be in a bit of a non smoker's <laughs> bubble here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's sort of interesting. That's uh, all we have for you this week. Uh, This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes, including a recipe for frikandella soup. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leaving us a rating. And send us uh, flavored soup offers. No, don't do that. No, don't. Send it to Molly. All to Molly. Yes. Uh, My thanks to Gordon Derek and Molly Quell. I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week.